Welcome to the Brand Evolution Show brought to you by Westward Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Tom Sullivan. And today I wanted to talk about targeting, uh, specifically audience targeting. It's an extremely important part of reaching people with whom your brand resonates. If you send marketing materials, whether they be offline or digital online marketing materials and messages out to the world, unless you have a consumer brand, you are going to be targeting too broadly and you'll spend much more money than you need to and you will not have a good return on your investment. So targeting is really a very important part of a go-to-market strategy or uh, a new ad campaign, a shift in focus or direction for uh, any uh, demand generation that you might be doing. And I think a lot of people somewhat take it for granted that uh, they're going to basically do what they've done before. They're going to target the parts of the country where orders have come in before. And that's that can be a mistake because that's only part of targeting. Um, so let's go through and, and break this down. So at the very start of a campaign, you want to have an idea of where you want to show your ads. And that's simply referred to as geographic targeting. And a lot of people think of this as something related to local marketing only. And it absolutely can relate to local marketing, but it can be used in any campaign and actually has to be used in every campaign for uh, you to be able to um, send your message where people are who are receptive to it. So taking a local marketing perspective, many times what uh, you'll hear about in a local campaign is uh, geofencing or uh, geotargeting. And all that means is that you are going to be advertising in a specific geographic area. Many times what they'll do is they'll say, um, let's target X miles or kilometers around your business, or let's target the entire county, or they'll ask you the, how far your business services, 20 miles? Okay, then we'll put a 20 mile range on this advertising. And that can be effective because you don't waste money outside your service area or uh, outside the you know reasonably expected range that people would travel to get your product or service. Uh, it's also helpful if you have um, physical locations, multiple storefronts in different areas. You can target a radius around each store. And if those don't overlap, uh, it's extremely important that uh, each has its own targeted geographic area and its own campaign uh, where you can actually uh, figure out uh, how far you can draw people in. So for instance, you might test 20 miles around a location and you, in, in highly, say, densely populated cities, maybe you only test two or three miles because you have competitors, many competitors within, say, 20 miles. So um, there are a lot of strategies to targeting a geography, um, but it's extremely important that you take that into account when setting up any campaign on any paid ad platform. Uh, from a from a SEO standpoint, uh, if you are a local company, you might want to target uh, keywords that include the city name or the city names where you service. So if you service 
you know, five cities in a county, then maybe all five of those cities would be featured along with service areas. You could do this by building a separate service page for each city and vary the content enough so that you don't get tagged for having duplicate content on your site, but it would allow you to actually uh, organically target or geo-target people in those locations with your uh, free content. Okay, so that's, that's generally how targeting with geographics works. It's just location targeting. Uh, the next layer that starts getting uh, interesting is when you add demographics. Demographic, demographics describe your audience. Okay, so maybe someone's age range, their, uh, their gender, uh, whether they're uh, married or not, uh, their annual income, household income, do they rent or own a house, their education level, uh, their occupation potentially. Um, those types of uh, qualifiers or disqualifiers when added to a geography now allow you to say, I want uh, people with a median household income who own their house you know, within 20 miles of my business location. And typically you need to qualify people with demographics who uh, will um, have a connection with your brand, not just who need your product or service because then you're out kind of competing on feature sets and offers only. And really that doesn't, as we've talked about at length, build a lasting connection. So demographics is extremely important for making sure that you're showing ads to the right audience. Now, various ad platforms are have differing levels of success in identifying these audiences for us. So for example, if you wanted to say, uh, I'm only, I have a consumer practice good, packaged goods product, and I only want to target um, female users between the ages of 25 and 35. Well, if you go and look at Google Ads platform, and, and this is a is a generality because every demographic is going to have different percentages of numbers. However, back to it, if we target that specific demographic and look at how many people within our geographic location fit that that demographic uh, identity, uh, you're going to find that about let's say 70% of that audience is unidentified, meaning don't know the gender, maybe don't know the income level, maybe know the gender, but not the income level or age range. And so it gets really difficult to target a large number of people on any specific ad platform uh, based on uh, geographics and demographics overlaid. Now there are extremely large platforms, uh, subscription SaaS services that allow you to do this type of targeting, uh, but it's hit or miss by paid platform. And honestly, everybody uh, loves to go to um, kind of the bottom of the funnel paid search to harvest, right? Because you put money out and you get money back and you get the highest ROI or, or ROAS on your investment. But if you're going to take sort of a, a more of a relational approach, brand building approach, see the top of the funnel analogy approach, uh, then you really need to think about uh, advertising on a platform that has a lot of information, a lot of this demographic information for the number of people using the platform. 
And we found that one of the best is Facebook, because even though um, these may not be, um, you know, business people uh, with business demographics, a lot of times what you'll find is uh, the targeting is across the board more uh, filled out, meaning they have more information about each user based on uh, their behaviors, uh, who they interact with, uh, media types they like. They tend to know their gender. A lot of times they know their birthday, so they know their age. And so the targeting is actually uh, significantly better on paid social media for uh, Facebook. And because it's the same property using Facebook Business Manager, also Instagram. So you're seeing, that's why you've seen a lot of paid social start to um, focus down on things that aren't traditionally uh, consumer packaged goods or, um, you know, clothing and diet related. You're starting to see more, it, and again, it's if you're being targeted by these companies, company pitches at a brand level. And uh, so you'll see more, you know, automobiles and um, things that are not necessarily, you know, low ticket items that you'd expect to see on social media. Uh, so, again, it depends on the size of your company, your go-to-market strategy, who your target audience is. But all the people, if you think about it, who are on LinkedIn, who you might want to reach if you're a B2B driver, uh, it, it's really expensive to get the leads on LinkedIn. But those same people are using social media as well. They aren't only on LinkedIn. So if you have better targeting and you can take a profile from LinkedIn for the types of people, uh, maybe their interests, maybe their career types, and you can navigate to uh, Facebook's uh, filter for those people, then you can raise, uh, you can generate uh, lead impressions, sorry, brand impressions and generate leads at a, a significantly lower cost over on Facebook. So that's something to keep in mind. It isn't like there are distinct walls between these platforms. We're all using all of them to a certain extent, right? Um, so the demographics could, if you're you know, skewing younger than maybe Snapchat or TikTok or uh, Twitch advertising is gonna be a, a better way to reach people who are at a younger age and or have specific interests or demographics that tie to those platforms. So, so geographics and demographics are important to be paired together but once you have a profile for who you're targeting, then you have to go to, you know, the, the profile of the audience on the platform and, and find that audience. Um, and these are kind of these have always been sort of the basics for targeting. Right. These have always been the way in which we went after finding our audience. And now that, uh, you know, we've we have the ability to find out, you know, where is my audience based on the data coming in? And then who is my audience based on the data coming in? And you combine those two, it starts to become very powerful. And one of the things that um, everyone's talking about now is sort of the next iteration. Where do we go from where my people are and who my people are and overlaying those two things together, um, blending them? And, and that next place is psychographics. And this is, not a future, it's it's already happening. A lot of people are using this to target. And psychographics is, is really your guide for brand messaging because again, we're looking for that limbic resonance. We're looking for that emotional connection. 
So who's most likely to uh, resonate with your brand messaging? That is the psychographic element. <coughs> so psychographics is, is a qualitative method used to describe psychological attributes of your target audience, right? So it helps you to target people who are specifically going to be attracted to the emotion of your brand. So psychographics have been applied to study um, personality, values, opinions, attitudes, uh, interests, lifestyle. So if you're in a, in a consumer space or even if you're in a, a B2B space, you might find that psychographics are extremely helpful in reducing your cost per lead, you're increasing your return on investment by uh, reducing the amount of people that you're targeting who will not that uh, you will not connect to emotionally with your brand messaging, right? So it, it's another layer of qualifier and it's really the most important one because if you can identify who these people are by how they, their attitudes, how they think about things, what types of things they're attracted to and what resonates with them emotionally, then you have an audience that is in effect handpicked by the data and it's not that simple. There isn't really a platform that's going to get you there. But um, a lot of times companies get to this point by uh, surveying current customers. And I've talked about this before. Uh, you can approach current customer and get a really positive outcome when they understand that you their opinion matters to you and you want to know, you know what makes them tick and what specifically drew them to you and connected them to your brand. So when you, uh, when you apply psychographics, uh, into your ad campaigns, many times what you'll do is have several audiences that get generated. So, you, you know, typically the you have to slice it a little thinner, which means you'll have uh, various audiences that might have specific brand messaging uh, slightly geared towards them. Uh, you're going to you're going to write more emotionally compelling copy because now, you know, you know, what the triggers are that people have. Now, I don't I don't mean you're making your brand up as you go along. You're still true to your brand messaging, but it may tweak slightly depending on the psychographics of even the platform that you're on or the audience specific audience you're targeting within the single ad platform. Uh, it can enhance your A-B testing uh, because psychographics can help you uh, generate a more statistically significant result when you're A-B testing. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but specifically, if you run a, two of the exact same ads on Google Ads platform, they'll generate different data. And people don't necessarily realize that, so they have slightly different results and they think it's significant, right? This, this upticked by 5% whatever that uptick is, traffic conversions. And when you go back and look, if you've ever made a mistake, and, and I'm someone who's made a mistake in the past and learned from it, the first thing you learn is if you run two of the exact same campaigns with the exact same copy, they're going to have different data results, different number of impressions, different click-through rate, different number of conversions, different, different average cost per lead. It's all going to be different. So if you look at psychographics, you know, if you're targeting people who have specific opinions and attitudes that align with you, meaning your brand, uh, that's going to help you 
uh, become uh, more efficient in all those areas and get statistically significant results when you're A-B testing. Uh, so it also helps you identify new content areas. So if you're, um, if you're targeting a specific audience and you realize that that audience lives on certain platforms and they pay attention to certain uh, vlogs, they follow certain influencers, that helps you uh, target content. Maybe it's not user-generated content, Maybe it is. Maybe it's somebody who uh, does a review of your product, writes a blog post, or uh, maybe it is um, an influencer who you uh, bring on through your influencer marketing program. Uh, it, it's about reaching that audience where they're paying attention in a way that uh, they'll connect to. So uh, influencers can be a, a great key to that. Again, as I mentioned earlier, if your audience skews younger and it's consumer, it could be Snapchat, TikTok, Twitch. It could be uh, a number of different platforms. Uh, some people have found great success targeting people through Pinterest. If they're a visual medium, uh, their product has to be shown in multiple pictures or in videos. Um, YouTube advertising has been successful. Um, so it just really depends on who you are and who your brand uh, is and, and how you connect with that, that uh, audience emotionally. Uh, so it can also uh, improve your conversion pathways. It can be very effective at determining why people don't convert or who the people are who don't convert. So not only does it work positively, but it conversely, it helps you start to eliminate people out of your, um, your pool of um, impressions who really, it just, your messaging won't resonate with them. And that is another way to, it's not just about narrowing to who you focus on, but identifying those you don't want. So when you move to a new platform, you can... Uh, remove that audience uh, who you don't want to advertise to. Uh, and it can obviously it reinforces your brand. It reinforces your brand values. Uh, if you compare the psychographics of your most loyal customers, um, you can reinforce uh, your, you can use what their feedback is to um, tune your, your brand messaging as it applies to anything that's an outward communication to make sure that you continue to pull those people to you who are going to be your loyal customers and uh, you can uh, not worry so much about attracting people who uh, would fall away uh, because there are a lot of reasons why people could be attracted to you that uh, aren't lasting, that aren't beneficial in the long run. Um, so if you offer a sale, something free, a limited time offer and you're using sales triggers, although people might like that you're free range and sustainably Right. But the reality is, is that they came because it was a free offer and a trial. There's nothing wrong with that approach, but you definitely would rather offer that to people who are likely going to um, or who could most likely stay with you long term. Um, so the other part of this is, you know, we I talked about ad copy, but um, your videos, the images that you post on social media, uh, the, the story that you post, you know, should all have very aspirational, aspiring imagery and messaging so that you send a clear message not only to attract your audience, but also to let people know who you are. Because there are people out there who aren't necessarily just, you know, waiting to be affected um, by your specific ad, but, you know, it will also tell people about who you are and it will help sort of weed out, if you will, the people who, again, aren't going to be your loyal followers. 
Um, and then you can revisit and update um, these personas that you develop, these audiences, right? So if you go back and you realize that you your age range skews a little bit older than who you were targeting, that can actually change a lot of your uh, ad content, imagery, video, uh, scripting. It could change uh, the way you think about ad platforms because you could say, well, you know, Facebook hasn't been successful for, uh, for us. And we tried a few different audiences there and they haven't been successful. But when you go back and you go, oh, we're targeting too young. We need to move this up and put the, you know, the age range above 35. Or, you know, we, we can't target any age 13 or older because in reality, teenagers, you know, they've seen their mom resonate with this product and therefore it's not cool. And naturally, we think that audience should accept it. But there are some psychological development things at play in teenagers that say, if it's my parents thing, it's not cool. Uh, so, you know, you can readdress these audiences and update them over time as you gather more data. And the, the whole idea is not to uh, throw away, but to, to fine tune. So uh, geography is where it starts, right? Then you get into demographics. So it's where are they? Who are they? Put that together. That's your geodemographics. And then you get into the more defined psychographics, which is really where the rubber meets the road in terms of building brand. Um, and in terms of doing it effectively, doing it efficiently from a cost standpoint, from a sustainable standpoint, and from a lifetime value growth standpoint. Those are the targeting basics. We'll be back in a later episode, not sure which order, but in a later episode for more detailed targeting tips. And we'll talk about platforms that are designed specifically for targeting, which may or may not be outside your price range. But in the meantime, go back and take a look at your targeting, both on your website, through your verbiage, your imagery, uh, talk to your current uh, customers and find out uh, what resonates with them. And if they think that you're on point or maybe missing the mark slightly, take all that input back and, and then redefine who it is that you're targeting and go after those people from a... Uh, a demographic and a psychographic standpoint. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot them through the website chat function. Um, you could also send them through the contact page or the Westward Marketing Lab slash Brand Evolution Show page. We have a separate form there just for questions and answers for the show. And uh, we have a few I just want to go through really quick here. Why are my paid and SEO keywords different? Actually, that's a Really good question. Um, in the sense that paid and SEO keywords should not be different in intent, but they can be different in form. So an example would be uh, in SEO, if you're targeting um, farm equipment, right? You, you put in the term farm equipment or uh, uh, the specific crop type and farm equipment, right? Corn harvesting farm equipment or something along those lines. And that is what you have sprinkled throughout your website to tell uh, search engines who send a bot to crawl who you are, what you're about. And they use that information to 
uh, have your page show up in search results based on a phrase that people speak into their phone or what they type in to search. And in effect, that populates the search engine's result page, search engine results page with not only your search results, but also um, the organic search results of everyone else who the uh, platform believes is relevant to the search query. Now, in that same set of search results on the SERP, they're going to also put ads at the top, and those ads are keyword-driven as well. So it makes sense that you would use the exact same keywords in both instances. However, that's not how it works. When you, <clears throat> let's use Google as an analogy, they're the 800-pound gorilla, and let's, you know, let's just go there. Um, Google will, you know, so let's say you have a corn harvesting uh, machinery as your organic, right? It's just a, just a, those three words, no modifiers, just corn harvesting machinery. And then you go into your uh, Google ads, paid ads platform uh, content, and you have a, a, a campaign set up and it has multiple ad groups in it. And one of your ad groups focuses on corn harvesting tractors, corn harvesting machinery, uh, corn harvesting uh, farm supplies. And, and so you have keywords in there. And the specific one that would trigger your ad to show should be corn harvesting machinery because that's a search query. But you maybe you want everything related to corn harvesting, not just tractors, to trigger your ad to show. So your keyword might be, uh, you know, have uh, modifiers. So you would say corn harvesting uh, machinery, and instead of leaving it that broad, you would add um, broad match modifiers, which are little plus symbols before each word. And that says, you know, restrict it so you're not just re matching my ad to any search related to corn, like cornflakes. Um, it, it says that corn has to be a keyword, part of the search term. Uh, it says that um, harvesting, it has to be part of the search query. And, uh, and then if you have equipment on there as well and put a plus, and all three of those words need to be included and in some order in the search query, theoretically. Now, Google has uh, eased up on their targeting somewhat, but the point is there are modifiers that get added within an ad campaign, and leaving a keyword off like equipment would still use corn harvesting as your search term, but on your website, you want to actually have the specific keywords that you want to be found for. So that's why your keywords are a little different in form, because the way that they're viewed and the way that they target your paid content versus your organic content are slightly different. Uh, without getting too into the weeds, that's the reason why your keywords based on those platforms, but the exact same search intent would be slightly different in form. Okay, should I use GTM or GTAG on my website? <clears throat> GTM is a uh, container. Uh, it uh, installs tags on your website, which is basically tracking. And GTM can it is uh, is Google Tag Manager. It's by Google. It is primarily 
used to uh, install Google Analytics tracking, but you can also put in uh, tracking for uh, Google Ads, uh, Facebook Ads, Microsoft Ads, um, your uh, CRM platform. Um, so if you have tagged results you want to have uh, show up, um, you can uh, put in JavaScript code that helps you uh, sense when activities happen on a website, which is helpful for certain third-party form plugins. Um, you can do a lot with GTM. GTM is a container that you basically are throwing code into. Uh, the container can be entered once if it's put on your site through a plugin as you would do on a WordPress site, or it could be installed by hand on every page one time. And then in the future, anytime you wanna turn a tag on or off, add a tag, remove a tag, um, add a specific function by code, all that is put is basically uh, added to Google Tag Manager through a single web page, and then it uh, is propagated throughout your entire website. Um, so it's extremely powerful as a tool. Now, GTag is uh, a, basically a very limited container. It is used for installing at this point in time uh, Google Analytics on your website, and that's it. It doesn't do Facebook tags. It doesn't do any of the other tags. So it's a much lower utility version uh, container than GTM. So I would always argue that GTM is the path forward. And uh, there are many things happening right now uh, in the world, which by the time you listen to this may have already happened. Uh, one is that GTM is being uh, tested uh, to run in the cloud. Maybe that's not the right way to say it, uh, to uh, have all of the tracking cloud-based. So right now, it relies on cookies to track, but with all the privacy initiatives uh, and the browsers being developed to block uh, cookie IDs, third-party cookies, uh, it's really moving, we're moving towards uh, tracking where it's got to happen in the cloud. And, um, you know, we can, uh, so we'll see how that plays out. But for now, it looks like uh, GTM is your, is your path forward. Uh, we're also, as of this recording, in a beta uh, for Google Analytics 4, which will eventually replace um, universal analytics tracking within two to three years. So we're looking at the end of 2022, 2023, uh, and that will... Uh, the goal of that update is to uh, track the customer journey across platforms, across touch points, more effectively than universal analytics. Um, but right now, the beta is running so that uh, analytics, uh, so that Google can gather real-world data to test their artificial intelligence to see whether or not what their predictive model comes up with matches um, real-world data and uh, as much as they can see at this point anyway. So... Uh, if you want to install GA4 in parallel to Universal Analytics, you can. We're testing it. I'm not putting it on any client side yet uh, for fear that it may um, have some crossover effects and mess with Universal Analytics data. So I would say be cautious. There's no hurry. Um, I would wait until uh, next year, maybe mid-year, but I would just uh, keep my ear to the wall and try to find out when it's stable. And, you know, there'll be plenty of people writing content about it. Maybe I'll do a piece on it later too. But 
Uh, it's pretty early, so I wouldn't rush there. But um, again, back to your question, which I got very tangential away from, uh, GTM over GTAG. Uh, is it worth using automated targeting on Google Ads? Uh, there, that's, there are different types of automated targeting within uh, uh, Google, Facebook, LinkedIn. There are different types of targeting. So um, I would say be careful because what I found is that if I'm running a, a, a brand awareness campaign, um, I might start with broader targeting I don't typically want to run automated targeting because automated targeting tends to be too broad. Um, automated uh, ad suggestions, automated uh, bidding, uh, not that we have a choice anymore, but you know anything that's automated that puts the, the control of your um, content and your budget in the hands of a platform that makes money when people click, um, they, they don't they don't underexpose, they overexpose, and they uh, you risk a lot of, of ad spend that is unnecessary. So when you first start a campaign, you don't have the luxury of, of having performance data that helps you narrow down your, your targeting and your spend. But as you go forward and you gain more information, then you, you can cut some targeting out. But I always kind of take a middle ground where, you know, we we target a little more restrictively and we throw a lot of negative keywords in on a, a very quick pace. Like every day, I'm looking at the previous day, what the search queries were, and then I'm knocking out irrelevant search queries. And you can do this on an ad group campaign or in a list applied across multiple campaigns. But the point is you need to add negative keywords to control that. And then you can broaden your keywords a little bit and see if there's some audience out there that you weren't aware of that with broader targeting you can bring into the fold. Um, so automation is unavoidable, um, but use it with caution. Make sure that you have some controls in place uh, to uh, effectively scale budget and spend on on relevant impressions um, easier said than done but that's that's always the goal uh, this has been another episode of the brand evolution show brought to you by westward marketing lab again i'm your host tom sullivan keep the questions coming and uh, we'll see you next time